0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, pray with them, and then hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, prayer, relationships, apologetics, evangelization, discipleship, uh, just anything that's on your heart. And I'm going to take them, and I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to do some research, have some conversations. And then hopefully I will be able to respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward becoming the saint that God desires for you to be. But here's the reality. Your life and my life, our lives are so messy, there's not always going to be that easy fill-in-the-blank Catholic answer. So my hope is that my response to your questions is going to be good for you. It's going to be helpful for you. But the reality is is sometimes I might not give you the best advice because I'm an imperfect, broken, sinful priest, right? I, I, I want and I strive to be, be uh, a member of the body of Christ, the body of Jesus Christ, who can help you grow close in your relationship with the Father, through the Holy Spirit. But sometimes I'm not going to be able to do that. So if my advice is not helpful for you, Please, I give you freedom, reject it, reject it, throw it in the trash. However, if it is helpful for you, then I really want to encourage you and invite you to lean into it, even if it's difficult. If my advice can help you become a saint, even if it's difficult, then I want to invite you to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus from Jerusalem to heaven and your walk with him. Uh, If you're a first-time listener, then I really want to encourage you to to send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. That's askfrjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also send me critiques from my advice. You can send me your comments. You can send me suggestions. You can give me feedback on today's episode. But I really also want to encourage you to please rate us and review us on iTunes and other uh, podcast formats out there because whenever you rate us and review us, it helps other people find out about the show, and if the show is helpful for you, then potentially it could be helpful for other people as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about three very important topics. We're going to talk about sacramentals, and like what's the difference between sacramentals and being superstitious. We're going to talk about circumcision, and whether or not Catholics should uh, practice this on their children. Uh, and Also, we're going to talk about purgatory purgatory and if our suffering in this life can shorten our experience of being purged as we enter into the kingdom of heaven after death. Before we get jumping into today's topics, I want to share with you a glory story. Before I share through you my glory story this week, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. One second. Mm, coffee is so good. Yo, so I'm doing this new thing with my coffee where I'm not putting sugar in it. Sugar. I just like sugar in my coffee. And it's been very difficult. It's been it's been a struggle, like no lie. I, I really enjoy sugar and uh that raw sugar too. I used to call it brown sugar, but I found out brown sugar is not the same thing as raw sugar. <laughs> and uh but sugar is sugar, and sugar is apparently not super healthy for us. Um, though some medical people might be listening to the show right now, and they might dispute those claims. So I invite you, if those claims are disputable, you can reject them. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing my coffee without sugar, and it's been a struggle. And so today, I mixed my coffee with uh, some other stuff, uh, like this like shake stuff to give it some more flavor, because I'm trying to, to stay away from the unhealthy stuff. And, it, and it's kind of good. So shout out to the peanut butter flavor that I have in my coffee this morning because uh, it is making me happy inside. Uh, happy, go up and clap along if you feel like it's something is something because it makes me happy. All right. So today's Glory Story. So for the next two podcasts, I'm going to share a Glory Story series, all right? Dun, dun, dun. It's a new series. And it's going to be called The Adventures of Father Josh and Father Reuben. Because uh, Father Reuben is one of my, my good friends. And, and, and we typically uh, travel together. And, uh, and <laughs> we've had some pretty crazy, funny experiences. And, uh, and God has really come through in some major ways to save us from hurting ourselves. And so I'm going to share those stories because it really is a glory story. And so the first one is a glory story that happened. A number of years ago, it was my first year of priesthood. I was a, a priest and he was a deacon and my birthday was coming. My birthday is right after Thanksgiving. So if you want to send me birthday cards, just think about Thanksgiving and my birthday is the exact next week after that. So, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but no, joking. So no, I'm serious. But so birthday is right after Thanksgiving and I was at LSU at this time. I was the chaplain on campus over there and it was just a super busy season of my priesthood, really, really, really busy. And I was going out of myself for a lot of people and partly it was so busy because I made it busy for myself because even though there was a lot of needs, now I realize I didn't have to answer all those needs. I didn't discern well, I didn't say no enough and to say no is something that we should all do. So before I continue this glory story, if you haven't said no lately, check your pride because we are limited human beings. We are limited, our humanity is limited. And we need to reverence that. And we should only be saying yes to a few good things. When we say yes to everything, we can't do anything well. And so I was in a place in my priesthood. I was just newly ordained, ordained for a few months, and I was burning out because I was saying yes to everything and everyone, right? Right. And then, and this happens on and off. Like sometimes I do better than other times in my life in my walk with the Lord. I did it as a deacon; it was the same thing. I, did, I said yes to everything, and it was I got really tired and exhausted really quickly. Uh, so, but so I was saying yes to a lot. I was really exhausted, uh, bearing a lot of good fruit in my ministry, but like still, it just wasn't good for me. So one of my buddies in the priesthood, another uh, buddy of mine, uh, his mom uh, has a camp and on the water and so she was like hey just come stay at my camp for your birthday how about you just get away Um, and I was like that's a great idea because my birthday was I think on maybe it was a Friday or Saturday that year and and I didn't have mass until Sunday at LSU we had mass at 10 a.m noon 6 p.m 8 p.m and get this 10 p.m on Sundays it was crazy so I had the 6 8 and 10 p.m mass that that week so I was able to leave on Friday and I was going to get back on Sunday morning, and so Father Reuben, uh, at the time Deacon Reuben, was also able to get off, and so uh, we went to our buddy's uh, house and met with his mom, and and we asked her for the key to her camp, and she couldn't find it, and she said, you know what, I must have left it at the camp. She said, how about you just, you, you drive down there, Josh? You've been to the camp before. Just drive a mile down the road. The camp should be on your right. The light should be on, uh, and the key is under the doormat. I'm, Thinking, cool. I've been to the camp. It's been about four years since I've been to this particular camp, but I have been to that camp before. So I should know, though I should also inform you, my my listeners, I am directionally challenged. I, I, I'm not good with directions at all, and I don't I have a terrible memory when it comes to to places. And so we, we leave her house, drive exactly one mile down the road, and we see the house with the light on, pull in the driveway go to where she said, go, pick up the mat. And there was no key. So I called her and I said, Hey, um, there's no key here. And she said, really? She said, well, that's strange. I, I, I just, I thought it was there. I tell you what, how about you just break into my house, break into the camp, break into the camp. Man, there's no alarm. Just break in. And I'm thinking, Does she think I broke into a place before? I'm joking. No, so I said, okay, cool. I could try. And so uh, I got out my credit card, and I tried to break in. Uh, I was unsuccessful because, by the grace of God, breaking into houses was never something I did in my past life. So we continued to walk around the camp, and I eventually found the key in another part of the camp, like as I was, like, snooping around. Found this key. And I called her and said, hey, I found the key. It was in the front of the house under that that doormat. And she said, great. And so I opened the door, walked into the camp. And when I walked into the camp, I thought to myself, man, I know I've been here four years ago, but this camp looks so different than from when I was here. I mean, this thing looks really, really different. But you know what? A lot of people renovate their places, and so they must have had a, a big renovation over the past four years that I just didn't know about. And so he went and he got his room. I picked a room and it was like the, uh, what's that, that story where you like tried all the beds. And so I like tried all the beds I wanted in the house and I found the one that I liked a lot. And we set up a mass. we had, we brought a mass kit. So I set up um, an altar for mass for the next day and I had my mantra. So I was going to do adoration there as well the next day. And um, he went to go pray the, the Office of Readings because he hadn't prayed the Office of Readings yet. And as I'm walking through the house, I'm like looking at it. I'm thinking, like, this just doesn't look like the camp I remember. And I, I'm like looking on the walls and there's these pictures of all these little kids who I've never seen in my life. And I'm thinking, man, some families are just are unique in that they allow anybody to put pictures in their house because I don't see any pictures of my buddy or his mom. But you know what? Thanksgiving was the week before. And so potentially their family came by and decorated the house. And as I began to tour the house, nothing looked the same at all. The dishes y'all were still wet. They were being, they were drying out on the, on the countertop. So clearly whoever was there recently left. And I'm looking at this house and I'm just thinking something just doesn't feel right. And so I, uh, i I went outside to go talk to the Lord for a little bit by the water, and as I looked at the camp from the water, I looked next door and I recognized next door there was another camp with the light on, and it looked exactly like I remember it looked four years earlier. Yo, I broke into somebody's house, oh man y'all, so at this time. I mean, I was it was cold. I was wearing a hoodie outside. I looked like Trayvon Martin. And I was thinking, he just got shot, too, this time. Like he was like, this is like recently, like after he got shot. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm about to get shot over here. And so my buddy, Father Ruben, walked out, and he was like, why do you look like that? Like, I was frozen. I was frozen, like the movie Frozen. Uh, Let it go, that movie. So, So I'm outside. I'm frozen, and Brother Ruby's like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, dude, I think we broke into somebody's house. And so I text my buddy's mom. I said, can you send me the exact address of your house, camp? And she did. And I said, go check the mailbox. I said, you go check the mailbox because you're white and I'm black. And if I go up there with a hoodie on in front of this place, somebody's going to shoot me. So you go check, bruh." And he me to go check, I knew. I just knew we in the wrong, we in the wrong camp. So I ran inside, poured out my drink. Fixed my mask kit, threw it in my book sack, got my stuff, and I got out that house. And he came running. He said, dude, we are in the wrong camp. And so we, we heard up and, like, got everything together, ran out the house, not before taking a selfie in the house, though, because that was an experience to remember for life. Uh, did take a selfie. And then got next the door, found the key where she said it was going to be, got in the house, called her and said, hey, we were in the wrong camp. We were in the wrong camp. We broke into the wrong one. And so her first response was, and I love it to death, it was so beautiful and innocent. She said, well, Josh, did you at least write an apology note to the, to the family whose house you broke into, letting them know that you broke into their house? And I said, I'm sorry. I didn't know there was, there was etiquette for breaking into somebody's camp. Like, that's just not something I knew. But anyways, long story short, uh, God spared our life that day. God saved us. And so we were able to go to the next camp I think I watched A Christmas Story or something like that. I of an old school movies. celebrated mass the next day, and had adoration. And it was really awesome. Uh, but God spared my life and his life because we could have gone to jail. We could have got shot. Uh, shoot, I could be on the milk carton right now. So uh, uh, praise God. That's a glory story. All right. Before we get jumping into today's topics, I got some feedback for you. The first feedback comes from one of our listeners by the name of Jackie. Jackie, I like that name. That's that's a good name. So Jackie says this. This is my first time listening, and I love it. Just finished your blessed and broken book. Oh, praise God. Great read. Love the encouragement you gave to the young lady whose mom recently died. My dad passed almost three years ago. God bless you, Jackie, and your father. It uh, It was and is quite traumatic. But I feel so blessed that I could be there to pray for him during his last breath. Oh, that is so powerful. His death has been the catalyst for my faith journey. Praise Jesus. I find so much comfort at mass knowing that the veil between heaven and earth is open. Yes. And I not only get to be with my heavenly father, but my own father. Yes. The communion of saints. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sending the link to your podcast to my 19 year old. He's at college and I feel like I'm nagging him away from the church instead of nudging him toward the church. I think your style will help. If anything, he will laugh and you (laughs) <laughs> he will laugh that you want to be the Wakanda priest. Wakanda forever. Huge Marvel fans. Yo, meet Jackie. Jackie, I'm a huge Marvel fan. In fact, yesterday I was, uh, I watched season three of Daredevil, uh, which uh, it was, man, season three of Daredevil. I don't know about season one and two, because I just kind of skimmed through those. And Defenders, I did watch that. That was pretty good. But season three of Daredevil was so good, it was, it was so good. There's a Catholic priest and a Catholic nun in practically every single episode of season three of Daredevil. And it, uh, yeah, it was so good. It was so good. So yeah, shout out to Marvel and uh, Stan Lee for making all those awesome superheroes. And uh, my favorite is still X-Men. x Men's still the best. But um, though the movies for X-Men that have come out in recent years have been trash. But Hopefully that's going to change in the years to come. So anyways, yeah, Jackie, uh, praise God. Thank you so much. And I'm going to continue to pray for you uh, and thank God for you and thank God for using your dad um, and his suffering to draw you to a deeper intimacy with Jesus. Uh, and praise God for the Mass, the Mass. Yes, heaven on earth. If you want a good book to read in the Mass, read Scott Hahn's book, The Lamb's Supper. Um, also, Dr. Edward Street has a book um, that Ascension uh, put out and it's a really good book, and I just forgot about the name of it, but it's really, really good. Dr. Edward Street is, is amazing. Uh, the uh, the mass, ex- the biblical, like the Mass explained, uh, gosh, Ascension is going to kill me. Anyways, long story short, it's a really good book, and if you look at my show notes, we're going to put the title of that book there, and it really is a good book. I use it all the time, uh, so shout out to Dr. Edward Street in that great book. His book is probably the best book on the Mass, no lie. All right, so uh, I mean, no no hate to you Scott Hahn. like now I'm setting up like this, this, this beef on um, a podcast uh, between two awesome great biblical scholars. So anyways, next feedback comes from Patrick, Patrick, St. Patrick. Uh, Patrick says this. I wanted it to say that first, I love listening to your podcast. You've been very helpful in my walk with Christ. praise, praise the Lord. I wanted to just offer my prayers for Sarah from your October second episode, who was struggling with chronic illness. My wife has been struggling with chronic Lyme disease for over three years now, so I have seen firsthand how difficult living with a chronic illness can be. I also wanted to share that my wife has also used her illness as an opportunity to be a beacon of support for others who also suffer through disease and illness. She recently started an Instagram page called Creative Beyond Chronic. She hopes one day to make it an entire website and blog for creative people, artists, photographers, writers, poets, etc., who use their creative talents to uplift and support those who are struggling with chronic illness. I don't know if you're able to share this page with Sarah, but I wanted to at least tell you about it and let you discern the appropriateness of sharing it with this person and all your listeners. With Patrick, I am sharing it. So thank you for giving us this, um, this tool for other people to discern if it's good for them in their walk with Jesus. So praise God, that's the feedback, and now let's get jumping into today's show. All right, our first question is about sacramentals, and it is from a person by the name of, all right, so it's spelled R-E-S-I, and this person, even put in parentheses, pronounced R-E-H-S-E-E. So I can definitely pronounce S-E-E, that's C, C, right? And I'm assuming it's R-E-S-I, 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 like not R-E-S-I, like PCs. But Resi, which is actually crazy because the coffee I'm drinking right now, Resi, it's, it tastes kind of like Reese's Pieces. Uh, so I feel like it was very divine. Um, it, was, it was very divine that, that, this, that this happens, that I get to see your question on the day that I'm drinking my Reese's Pieces tasting coffee. All right. So sacramentals. This is what Resi writes. Uh, how are we supposed to view sacramentals such as the miraculous metal and scapular? we aren't supposed to believe that, they, that power actually comes from the thing, right? Would that not be idolatrous? hmm Is it supposed to be like the statues which lift our minds and hearts to heaven? If so, then why do people stress the importance of wearing a miraculous medal and scapulars for protection? Do these items protect us in some way? All right, cool. Great question, Rusty. Yeah, so a lot of people don't understand what is the purpose of sacramentals. Some people actually treat them in a very superstitious way, which is not cool. Um, but let's first go to the catechism and the old school catechism, the Baltimore catechism, um, because it, it warrants against using sacramentals in a way that is not OK with the church. So this is what the Baltimore catechism says, the old school catechism, the catechism from back in the day when they were young. And I say they were young because I wasn't even born back then when it was written. I was born. No, maybe I actually maybe I was. When did the new Catechism come out? When did, I know Saint John Paul was part of. It. Anyways, maybe I was. I don't know. I'm an '80s baby, so what do I know? Uh, but anyways, the Baltimore Catechism says this in Lesson 27, Question 1060: Persons may sin. Uh oh. So talking about sin here, missing the mark. Persons may sin in using sacramentals by using using them in a way or for a purpose prohibited by the church, also by believing that the use of sacramentals will save us in spite of our sinful lives. All right, let's break this down for a second. Like, some people believe if I wear a scapular, like, scapular, I'm never going to go to hell because I'm wearing a scapular. Like, uh, no, that's not how it works, right? You can wear a scapular and you can burn in hell for all eternity, right? If you choose... If you choose to walk away from Jesus with that article around your neck, right? Just because I wear a scapular does not mean that I'm not going to, um, that I'm not going to be damned, right? Uh, it's it in and of itself will not save me, right? Like, a scapular cannot do that in and of itself, but a scapular can be a constant reminder to me of the promises that I made whenever I put that scapular on, whenever I was enthroned, right? Um, And those promises include, right, living a sacramental life, a, a life where I immerse myself in the sacrament of reconciliation and the sacrifice of the mass, where I immerse myself in an intentional personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where I pray the rosary daily, and by praising the rosary daily, what's going to happen is is because I spend that much time with the rosary and I'm meditating on the life of Jesus in my mind, I'm going to be like a fruit that will come from that is I will begin to speak like Jesus because I'm thinking about him constantly, and I will begin to act like Jesus. And if I act like Jesus and imitate Jesus uh, in this life, then I'll also imitate Jesus in his death and in his resurrection, and I will be saved. I will be a saint. But if I choose to not imitate Jesus, if I choose to imitate Satan in my life, then even if I'm wearing a scapular, I can still go to hell. But a scapular in and of itself can't do that. But because it receives a blessing from the church, from Jesus, the bridegroom of the church, um, it is a gift to us. If we have faith that Christ can actually use this article, it is a gift to us that can help us to draw, be drawn to him. So anyways, back to the Baltimore Catechism. We must remember that sacramentals can aid us only through the blessing the church gives them and through the good dispositions they excite in us. They have, therefore, no power in themselves, and to put too much confidence in their use leads to superstition. No. Yeah, so one time many years ago, I tried out for, get this, American Idol. I did, and y'all know I can't sing well, uh, but I, I, it was kind of, I was on a retreat, and uh, shout out to Mother Adela. And Miami, in the service of the Pierce Arts of Jesus and Mary, and I left that retreat with some seminarians and and a guy who's a monk. And we ended up uh, passing by Disney World, and Disney World was hosting auditions for American Idol, and uh, they asked me to sing that song. And so I got the second second round, and then they told me, your voice is unique. (laughs) Hashtag, you can't sing. And they gave me a bunch of free tickets to go ride rides for um, an effort. Uh, for the effort I gave it was like a it's like a participation trophy. <laughs> I was like the kid that got benched on the basketball team but still got a trophy for participation. <laughs> One of the purposes of sacramentals, y'all, but is to prepare our hearts to receive the sacraments. The sacraments, like that, that is that is our, our our means to our end. Our end is to become a saint. The normative means to becoming a saint is the sacraments: the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, Holy Communion, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, the Sacrament of Baptism. Sacramentals point us to these gifts that God has given us in our walk toward eternity. Uh, they remind us; they remind us of our Savior Jesus Christ. And the more we think about Him, the more we will. Drawn to act like him in our walk with God. Um, and so uh, we have to also though, re- remind ourselves that God is God and God can use anything to draw us to him. And so if the church imparts a blessing by the grace of God onto an object like a miraculous medal or a scapula or a crucifix, holy water, whatever, God can use those objects, those physical objects to draw us to him, right? We are sensible beings. He knows that about us. And so God throughout salvation history has used things to draw us to him. He's even used a donkey, like in the Old Testament. Wasn't it a donkey, I think it was, that that began to speak? God used a donkey. A donkey is not a human. A donkey does not have a human soul. And he used a donkey to draw us to encounter him. So God can certainly use anything. In the Old Testament, the relic of Elijah, His bones brought someone back to life. Someone touched that thing called his bones, and God used his bones to draw someone else back to life. It was not his bones in and of itself. It wasn't his relics in and of itself that brought this person life. It was God who communicated his grace through the physical object of his Holy One's body. When Jesus Christ would walk, people would touch his clothes and they would be healed. Was it the clothes of Jesus that healed people? No, it was Jesus who chose to heal people through the physical action of touching his clothes, right? Um, There were people who were healed whenever they walked into the waters of Lourdes, Lourdes uh, in France. Is it the water that is healing people? No, it is God communicating his grace through this water. Right? God uses things all the time throughout salvation history to draw us to him. So it's not the thing, it's Jesus. Why is it Jesus? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. To break every chain, break every chain. There's a really good version of that song, Will Reagan. I think it has the original. Uh, and Tasha Cobbs has a gospel version. So if you like more praise and worship, um, uh, like the, what's the, like the, with the guitar, it's go with uh well, Reagan, if you want like, more gospel, more soul, check out Tasha Cobbs. Uh, so finally, I'll just end with this. I'm going to give EWTN a shout-out real quick. They, um, they spoke about this, and here's an example they gave. Um, like the, the difference between using the sacramental and superstition is this. It has to do with the inner attitude for superstition. Uh, uh, is second the second cousin of magic. <laughs> and the superstitious person says this, If I sprinkle holy water here, say these prayers, and cross myself, I will make God or his saints do this for me. But the person using it sacramental properly says, I want to be closer to God, to be constantly and effectively reminded of the power of his love and glory, of his protection, forgiveness and mercy, so I will cross myself when I pass the church to remind myself of his passion. I will make a novena to ask God's saints for their prayers. I will do these things not because I am strong and have the power to make God and his saints do my will, but because I am weak distractible, and forgetful, and I need to remind myself of true reality. Yes, so anyways, uh, hopefully that was helpful for you, and uh, let me know. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at centralpress.com, and let me know if you found that helpful, and if you have any comments or critiques with my answer about the sacramentals. All right, whenever we come back from our break, we're going to address our final two topics, circumcision and purgatory. See you after the break.
1: Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented Biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. Welcome back to the show,
0: and a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at Ask Father Josh, Ask FR Josh at with your comments, your questions, your suggestions, your feedback, and also don't forget to rate us and to review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the gift of the show. All right, our next question is a huge controversial topic that's um, being discussed in many circles, like right now as we speak, uh, many Catholic circles Uh, Many theologians are participating in these conversations and many laity are, are asking these questions because it's really important to them. And it's about circumcision. This question comes from Benji. Benji writes this, I have lately been thinking about circumcision as a part of the Catholic canon. It has been raised as a question a few times if I have had my genitals mutilated. And after enough times of posing this question to myself, I looked it up as part of our faith. It seems that as the majority of the world is uncircumcised and the practice doesn't create many lasting benefits and is more of an aesthetic surgical procedure here in the U.S., I have run across a few papers suggesting that circumcision is against moral law and that the Apostle Paul strongly urged against it. How do you see this practice in our faith and how does it play into the dialogue that we are created in God's image if that doesn't include our natural body? Not to mention that the foreskin appears to be functional tissue that is removed without consent of the person. Thanks for the podcast. It is always awesome to tune in and hear a researched opinion. Keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you, Benji. And I did research this a lot. And actually, I began researching this question uh, a while back because uh, one of my parishioners actually brought it to my attention and asked me what I thought about circumcision. And I'm going to be honest, until this parishioner asked me what I thought about circumcision, It never crossed my mind. And so I began researching this a while back. And so let's just jump into the church official position. The church, when it comes to circumcision, is neutral. Circumcision is not, in and of itself, a bad thing circumcision in and of itself is not a good thing. And so we cannot, as Catholics, tell someone because they are circumcised that their parents did something that was wrong to them or that they chose to do something that was wrong. We cannot also tell someone who is not circumcised that their parents did something that was wrong to them or that they are choosing to remain in a state that is not good for them, right? Uh, So what's the big deal? Well, the big discussion that's going on right now in many circles is the question— is circumcision mutilation all right mutilation of the body mutilation involves altering the body for non-therapeutic reasons in ways that interfere with the body's ability to function all right according to the catechism of the Catholic Church number 2297 mutilation is intrinsically evil all right and is not to be done regardless of the consequences Okay, so here's why circumcision is not the same thing as mutilation. Get this. Because mutilation is intrinsically evil, right? If it's intrinsically evil, that means that God asked his chosen people, our fathers in the faith, the Jews, to do something that was intrinsically evil to be in a covenant relationship with him. Mm Mm-mm. Did not happen. If it's intrinsically evil, which means it would be considered mutilation, then we're saying that Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of God, and Joseph, her most chaste spouse, did an action to Jesus, who is God, that was intrinsically evil. We all know Mary would have never done anything that's intrinsically evil. So, no, it is not the same thing as mutilation. Right? Two different things here because um, God cannot and will not ask us to do something that is intrinsically evil. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, so so, then other people say, well, back then, in those times, the circumcision of the chosen people was literally just like a clipping of the foreskin. It wasn't the kind that's done today that looks like it's done for more so aesthetical purposes. Um, it was like a clipping of the skin. And that's what Jesus would have had. That actually is not, in fact, uh, factual. Because we don't know Which circumcision Jesus had had because at his time, historically speaking, the circumcision was both and. They had the clipping that some Jews received where they clipped some of the foreskin, but it wasn't like a lot to where it was like the way it's done in the U.S. But there was also it was done the way it's done in the U.S. where it was a lot of foreskin that was removed. So both and were happening and we don't know which one Jesus received. So we can't actually assert I know for a fact that Jesus Christ was just, he had a little snip snip. Nah, we don't know what he got. So it's not for us to say. The bottom line is this, is are there any therapeutic or any health benefits, medical benefits? Well, this is debatable. There are medical people and they say both and. Some say, Neither or. Right. So some people argue against it because they say there are no medical benefits to being circumcised. um, And and they give reasons why it could actually be a good thing to be uncircumcised, um, such as the sensitivity that it could give to the person, whatever, whenever they're engaging in the marital act. But then other people say that there are benefits, medical benefits, such as it. Um, it reduces the risk of certain STDs um, if you are circumcised. And then some people argue against that and say, so what are you saying? That babies are, that when parents get their babies circumcised, they're assuming that they're going to get an STD and they're going to be sexually active. I'm not going into all those details. I don't know. The bottom line is this, is the church is neutral on the topic. The church is neutral. One thing I do want to caution people from though is using such language as mutilation. Because what that does, especially when Catholics use that language, is we're actually attacking Jews when we say that, right? It's an anti-Jewish sentiment because we're actually saying that they're mutilating each other whenever they do it. Paul's whole argument against circumcision, it was because Peter and and, and people were trying to get Gentiles to to act like they were Jewish before they could become Christian because, remember, Jews were circumcised. And Paul was saying you don't have to be Jewish before you're Christian if you're Gentile, just coming as you are. His whole argument was based on that. It had nothing to do with um, his, his moral stance against circumcision. It was more so against, it was, it was a religious thing. It was not like, I recognize now that you don't have to be a Jew first before you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a Christian. So, um, yeah, basically as a parent, I guess the key question is, is why do you want your son? If you have a son to be circumcised and to actually discern this and spend time thinking about it and praying about it. Um, and so we have to recognize as a Christian, we don't have a religious reason to do it. And so if we did it, it would be for like medical reasons and, and it's up to the parent to decide that. And so, yeah, uh, that's that. So hopefully that this, hopefully this question right here will spark a lot of conversation. And I think it will, because I know people feel very strongly about this, this question, uh, Benji, but I mean, again, uh, th- and this is just another example of you know, parents who give their daughters earrings when they're babies, right? Is that mutilation when they put holes in their daughter's ears? I don't think so, right? Um, if so, the church would condemn that. Anyways, long story short, let me know what you think, Benji, if you found this to be helpful for you. Um, and, uh, and also anybody out there who's, who's wondering if they should circumcise their child or not, right? Remember, church is neutral. So, uh, yeah, Brother Josh at essentialpress.com. Hit me up and let me know what you think. And now we're going to go to our final question. Final question is about purgatory. All right, so this is our question on purgatory. This comes from Mary. Mary, did you know that your baby boy? That's like the most controversial Christmas song ever, right? Especially people who think that theologians like to debate that song. So uh, maybe I do. Uh, sh- uh, qu- answering a question on that show, but you have to ask the question for me to answer. So somebody asked me a question about Mary, did you know around Christmas time? So Mary says this, I was just wondering if a deceased person had a painful death or a difficult life, does that shorten their time in purgatory? All right, Mary, that is a great question. So the short answer is yes. If yes, if they embraced their pain and difficulty as a means to conforming their life to Jesus Christ himself, right? There's nothing, nothing that is purifying about pain in and of itself. Pain in and of itself without meaning is not a good thing. So just because a person lives a difficult life, does not, that does not affect their time in purgatory. But if the question is about redemptive suffering, about suffering that a person is using to conform themselves to Jesus Christ crucified, right? accepting their cross, picking up their cross, making up for what's lacking in the body of Christ while they're on earth, then yes, it will, and notice I'm going to say this in my air quotes, shorten their time, end air quotes, in purgatory. Whatever time is, because remember, time outside of this life, we don't have any idea what that even like looks like because there is no time outside of like this, right? So, uh, <laughs> We we don't know what that means. Like a year for me might be a day for, for someone outside of life and what you know, so it just don't make any sense. So that's not the best ways to talk about it, but because we're limited in our ability to communicate about that which is heavenly, we don't know what we're doing. So but Saint Augustine and, and Greg of Nyssa both taught that a death that is united to Jesus Christ's death, his passion, and death can serve to purify the soul. So yes, we know from these fathers in our faith, these great doctors in our church, that that kind of death can serve to purify us. Um, this is also where the tradition comes from that martyrs don't go to purgatory. Like if you die a martyr's death, you go straight to heaven, right? They have completely united themselves perfectly to Jesus Christ in their death, right? All suffering united to the cross of Christ does purify us. All suffering united to Christ purifies our souls. So we can live um, our life. Um, and our purgatory, we can live some of it on earth um, or all of it if we are a martyr. So to the degree that we allow our suffering to unite us to the cross of Jesus Christ with Jesus Christ for our our walk toward eternity. Um, but this this isn't um, this isn't like suffering or purgatory uh, minus suffering in this life within equal less suffering and purgatory. Like, look, we don't need to get into those um, because the point is not about suffering. The point is about Jesus. Sometimes we focus too much on the things surrounding Jesus and not enough on Jesus himself. The point is Jesus. Jesus is the point. Redemptive suffering is purgatory. Redemptive suffering in this life is, is, is pur- purging for us. Um, but at the same time, the point is, is because it's Jesus who's purging us because he's making us more like himself. Um, so focus less on the suffering, more on the Jesus, who we get to suffer with um, and for in our walk toward being um, saints in heaven. Uh, does that make sense? I, I hope that, that was helpful. Um, and so if it does make sense and if it was helpful, let me know. If it wasn't, also let me know uh, at Josh at com. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's show. So Universal points about today's show that everyone can take away, even if these questions might not be applicable for you specifically, is when when it comes to sacramentals, remember, God can use anything. God can use anything, and the church uses these to draw us to him, to draw us, to lift up our eyes to the Father, to receive the Father's blessing. Father's blessing, he's always, St. Teresa, he's always having his hands raised to bless us. And he can use anything and everything to do that. He can do that. Uh, when it comes to circumcision, church is neutral. So there's some topics um, that the church is going to be neutral on. And so uh, God gives us the freedom to choose. He gives us freedom, free will to, to choose what we think would be best for us and for our families. And whenever it comes to purgatory, the point is Jesus. The point is not suffering the point is Jesus, but when we unite our suffering, that uniting of our suffering with Jesus is an imitation of Christ crucified. Imitation of Christ is the best thing that we could ever do in this life. Cool. All right, let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father God, we love you, we adore you, we worship you, we honor you, we glorify you. We praise you for the gift of this day, the gift of our lives, the gift of your church that you gave us 2,000 years ago. Oh, man, thank you, Lord, so much for your church. You know how, how quick we are to wander off the, uh, <laughs> the right path. And so you've given us, this church, your bride, to, to be a mother to us, to be a mother to, to draw us back to Jesus. And so we just praise you, Lord, and we thank you for being so patient with us in our walk toward eternity, for being so gentle with us. I say you give all of us the grace to be patient with others and to be gentle with others the way that you are with us so that they can receive your love. And, and through us, we ask this, prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all, that wraps up today's show. Don't forget to hit us up with more questions at Ask for the Josh at and rate us and review us on iTunes. If you've not done that yet, please do that after the show. That way other people can find out about the gift of the show.